0: All right, everybody. Hey, it's the Demand Excellence Podcast. And, you know, we're getting it cranked back up. And one of my very first guests will be Brad Collier, who he has just won a state championship, first period a school. And he and I got to work together for a long time. And we've actually done some podcasts together before. But now, three and a half years later, he left me. He's an FPE, first year as a head coach, wins a state championship. So I thought, hey, Why not start off a new season of Demand Excellence with Brett Collier? So, Brett, let me ask you this as we get started. What is your core as a football coach and man? And I ask that because this. It's just a great question to ask because your first year as a head coach, you won a state championship. So, like, you obviously had an identity and a philosophy. So. Like, who are you as a football coach?
1: Yeah, I, I appreciate you having me on. And just for the listener, I, I appreciate Coach Guess, And he had a huge impact on me working for you those three years. Really, really set me on a trajectory that was different than than maybe I was on. So I'm just thankful for you and, and appreciate you having me on. But no, I mean, I, I think everybody listening understands that you don't, you don't win a lot of football games or you don't win a championship if if you don't have really good players so we did have a lot of good players and and a good coaching staff and good support good community and all that and all, all those things that matter and so and so that's first as to why we had a good year and and I'm I know they all won't be as good as that one but I don't that's a great question you know what's my fo- core philosophy who am I I re- I've been thinking about that and you know I really go back to to what our our school's mission statement is. So our school's mission is to educate and equip students to change the world for God's glory. And to some, some schools, they don't really live their mission or you don't see follow-through on the mission, but but here that's kind of the core of what we do. And that's that really impacts everything we do. And it and it goes even, it extends even to your programs and the sports programs and fine arts and all that kind of stuff. So I'm bought into the mission of our school. We're a K through twelve Christian school, so that kind of permeates everything everything we do. So I'm I'm bought into that. And I'll just say just this one little tidbit about, you know, maybe me and kind of how I approach coaching, which I don't think is unique and I don't think I have any secret sauce or anything like that. But I heard somebody say a long time ago, and I just kind of kept it to myself and have always remem- remembered it, is that I and I stole this from them, but I really aspire to try to be a better, a better leader than I am football coach. I think any successful coach you study or look at, you know, they're all great leaders also. And so you can be a great, great coach and not a great leader, and maybe you don't have the impact or have the success that you might otherwise. But I, I think the first piece you need to have is that that leadership piece, and the coaching will follow amen so
0: yeah you know the one reason why i started like this podcast back in the day was to learn right so i'm calling around coaches and and most of them had been successful or they had done something unique so you're just you're learning like what do you do that's different and I, i think that's interesting that you bring that up like leadership versus football right you know, what separates Nick Saban from somebody else? What, what? Why is it that Kirby Smart can go and and transform the University of Georgia? You know, they, there's little things that they're doing behind the scenes besides X's and O's that, that make them great. And, and, you know, that's just kind of what this podcast is all about. Like, what are those things? you know, and like any coach out there aspiring to be a head coach or, you know, me or anybody that wants to be a better coach. Like we got to become great leaders, not just understand the game of football. So that being said, all right. So on the defensive side of the ball, right. I think it's funny because you and I worked together. We ran the three, five, you know, I don't even think that as a head coach, I would let you even think about anything different, but I was I was like, this is what we're doing. We've won with this. We're never going to do anything different. I'm going to do this until I die. Here's the funny thing. Three years later, four years later, you're not running the 3-5, and neither am I. So talk <laughs> about defense and and you know why you do what you do on that side of the ball.
1: Yeah. For the listener, when I interviewed at Elka, you, well, the first phone conversation we had, you called me. And I was young, and I had all these ideas of what I wanted to do if I ever got a chance to be a defense coordinator. And you called me. And you were like, you have any interest in coming here? And I'm like, heck yeah, you know, absolutely. And, and the next sentence out of your mouth was, okay, well, I'm gonna tell you, we're going to run a three, <laughs> five. <laughs> and I didn't know anything about it, but I learned it. And we obviously, you know, everybody out there knew we had some, some good teams that had really good players and they had been in the weight room and the culture was there. And anyway, we had success with three, five, and I had basically convinced myself that I'll, that I'll never do anything else, you know, like you and. I came to FPD and we ran a three-five and we had success with it. And but the bottom line is, man, we just got to a point where like this year's team, on on a roster that we're gonna have our size school, you know, sometimes you're just you just get put in a corner with what your roster looks like, and so. All right, start
0: right there. What Tell the listener what size school
1: you're at. Yeah, so we have just over 800 students in K through 12. So in the high school, that translates somewhere between, you know, 275 and 325, you know, depending on the year, depending on you got a big freshman class or a small freshman class. So we might be around 300 students in the high school. And so that means your roster on a really good year, your roster is 60 kids, you know, some years you might be 45 kids. Um, we had right at 50 kids on the roster this year. And we had a big senior class and a good senior class. And you don't get to choose, you know, who those kids are, or what they look like. You, you just have what you have. And and so with with the way things went this year, we started the year in a 3-5 and we we're I'm kind of beating my head against the wall saying that's what we're going to do. And we had, you know, one of the strengths of our team this year was our offensive and defensive line. And so... We originally started as a package where we were going to run a four-man front, and then we had some injuries to where we kind of had to do that out of necessity then, and then we had success with it, and we were playing good defense, and so eventually when we got all the injuries back, we had been running a four-man front for, you know, six or seven weeks, and it was like, you know, why would you change now? You know, that would just, that would introduce doubt to the kids, and well, why did we change to begin with, and this and that, so... We just stuck with it and that's what we did the rest of the year. And uh, of course, we had some packages and change ups and things we could do. But, you know, my, my, my thought on defense is, and I think you'd agree, and I think all the, all the listeners would agree is, and this is not limited to defense, but it just comes down to being really good fundamentally, you know, and when we were a three five, we tried to be the most fundamental team we could be and at every position and try to, you know, focus on the details of, of our package and what we were doing. And it doesn't matter if you're a three-man front, a four-man front, a, a three-four. It doesn't matter. I think all that, you know, sort of goes across the scheme world. And, you know, fundamentals matter more than any other stuff. So we didn't change our practice structure. We didn't pr- change our individual drills. We didn't change the way we do things. We just took out a linebacker and added another lineman, you know, and, and – and try to be the best we could at fundamentals. So that's what we did. Yeah.
0: So, you know, I call people like you and me, we're fundamentalists. So we'll die on that hill. So it's fundamentals over scheme. Some people are scheme over fundamentals, but you know, I think as you were talking, you know, talk about the importance of lining up correctly and knowing what you're supposed to do, because I always find this funny. Like parents are like, you know, you get done with a game, oh, we can't tackle. Well, here, here's two things with tackling. A, a lot of kids can't tackle because they're not coordinated, and tackling takes coordination. And a lot of times if a kid can't tackle, it's because he's not coordinated. So not much we can do there. We're ha- dealt the hand we got. All right, so – and then the other thing is, as a coach, if <clears throat> our kids are not lined up correctly we are not putting them in a position to tackle. So even if they can tackle, we're not putting them in a position. So talk about – because that's part of the fundamentals. Like the, the very first, what is it, point of the fundamentals is can you line up right? Do you know your job? Talk about that a little bit.
1: Yeah, and I, I think that's why you have to – and I, I think every coach agrees with us. That's why you have to have a simple plan that you believe in and a simple plan that you think you can execute – because I, I, I kind of foot, football is not a simple game. Football is very complicated because there's a lot of moving parts, and there's 22 teenagers on the field, and you know, gets pretty complicated pretty quickly. And so, my kind, just kind of the way I approach it is, what can we do that's simple for our kids that kind of cuts through all the complexity and makes it easy on their end. Not easy in terms of easy to do, but where you can execute it second nature. And so, yeah, I, I believe that every single day you've got to work alignment and you've got to be able to line up to anything you see. And that was kind of what you know I learned when I was working with you when we were running a 3-5 is you've got to be able to line up to any formation and any style of offense you might see on any given play. Because when you're coaching, like you and I were coaching single-A private football, you know, one week, we joke about it all the time now, one week we're playing an under center 31 personnel triple option team, the next week we're playing a 22 personnel I team, and the next week we're playing a spread team with one of the best quarterbacks in the state. So you've got to be diverse enough to handle all those things, but your rules have to be simple enough that your kids can execute it. So we try not to change what we're doing a lot, and we try to have simple ru- rules that that they can execute. and. Much of our coaching in like scale periods and team periods is based on: Are you lined up right? Are you in the right stance? Are your eyes where they're supposed to be? Okay, now we have a chance to execute the play, and that—that's really the foundation where it all starts. And I'll say this: like our individual drills are all pointing in that direction. So if there's an individual drill where they're not in a good stance, I don't understand why we're doing it. If there's an individual drill, why? They don't have to have their eyes in the right spot. I don't understand why we're doing it. Or where they're not lined up thinking about their alignment or a block or something like that, and then I don't understand why we're doing it. So it's all geared toward that direction. And I'll just say this too. I, don't, you know, Simple doesn't mean simplistic, right? Simplistic would be just draw it up and go do it. Well, nothing in football like that works. So honing in on the simple things and the details of it, I think is where, where you give your kids the best chance to to have success. So we're
0: going to continue to talk about defense, but it, you know, you brought up how complicated football is, and so you know, for the coaches out there, like people don't understand, like winning is really, really, really hard. But you know, parents sit in the stands, or fans sit in the stands, or Joe Blow sits somewhere, or he's just running his mouth. You know, we see it on ESPN, all the all the pundits. You know, they all the little talk shows, but winning's hard. And so that's why coaching is such a fraternity. And I like to tell the math teachers this, you know, because, you know, they, they don't understand football either. But football is kind of like calculus level 10. And I don't even know if there's 10 levels of calculus. But not only is it complicated like that, but all the different variables. So when I go take a math test, the variable is set or the variable is given to me. It's static. But when I, when I take a bunch of boys to go play a football game, the, for, the the problem that I, that we are solving, it moves and it's reacting to me. And, and the coach is coaching that other team. So it's this, you know, a lot of times football looks like chaos. Well, because it is. And through the course of the game, you're trying to figure out and you're trying to strategize. Obviously you watch film, you're preparing all that kind of stuff, but it's such a high level of complexity. And then here's the crazy thing. A lot of times you have very simple-minded kids who can't think with great complexity doing it. And so, which goes back to, you got to keep it simple. So, but you touched on something right there with defense, like, okay, so talk about how you're in, so you, let's say you have an hour and 10 minutes for defense to practice on Monday or Tuesday or when, whatever. So talk about that, how, this, this individual drill leads into this, which leads into inside and scale or which leads into team, how you progress that talk about like your scale and how you're working alignment inside drill, your work in alignment, how many reps you do during team defense so that your offense is constantly trying to react. So how do you poach all of that? Give me the progression.
1: Yeah. I'll say one thing that's important is is having people on staff that you trust and that can, they can really put the drills in and 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 know what we're supposed to be working and and manage the 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 players right because you go down to an inside period and you got offensive linemen, defensive linemen, linebackers, outside linebackers, and you got to manage a lot of people and you got to have scout cards. So so having good people that can run it is is first and foremost, but. I'll tell you what we do on, on a normal day, and this, the schedule kind of stays the same, but what we do may change. So on a normal Monday and Tuesday, we're going to go to practice, and everybody's going to go to what we call pre-practice. And pre-practice is you go with your defensive coach. Everybody on the field has a defensive position at our school. So you go to your defensive coach, and you're working your stance, and you're working – like if you're a DB, you're backpedaling. If you're a defensive lineman, you're working your get-off, on the ball, probably under the chute. If you're a linebacker, we have some stance and start drills we do and then some drills we do to to work shedding blocks. And then if you're an outside linebacker, it's the same stuff. So you'll go to pre-practice and then we'll stretch and then we'll do a pretty long special teams period. And then we go to our defensive individual. On Monday, everybody in defensive individual is going to tackle. And we don't do a tackling circuit. We go tackle with your position coach. One, I think there's a lot of time wasted in tackling circuits because the time you waste going from drill to drill. Two, I would rather the D line coach, who that's all he's thinking about, teach the defensive lineman how to tackle, rather than the DB coach doing a drill with them. And I coach the linebackers, and I know what they need, and I know who needs to work on this, and I know who my best tacklers are and who aren't. So I need to coach those guys in their tackling drill. So the first thing we do when we go to individual on Monday is work tackling drill, and then everybody goes and work some sort of re-drill with their eyes. So the defensive linemen, they're in little pods, and they're working basically block down, I'm going to squeeze and spill. Reach, I'm going to fight the reach block. How are we taking on trap blocks? So they're all working that. We're working reads as linebackers. Our defensive backs are working like there's two receivers, I'm backpedaling, and I got to split the receivers or read the two receivers. If one of them goes out, I can squeeze the other one. Our outside linebackers are working, reading the in man. So it's all really basic, fundamental stuff. And then after our reads, that'll be a pretty long period. What we'll do is we'll split on Monday, we'll split up, and I'll take all the scale guys, and our defense coordinator will take all the um, all the inside guys. And on Monday, he'll work like a half line inside. So it's like the first progression to an inside period. So he's got two sets of half lines, and he's running both of them, and the, the key is just get – it doesn't matter what offense you're facing, you're going to see down blocks, you're going to see reach blocks, you're going to see pullers. So he's just working those fundamental things in a half-line period with the defensive line and backup linebackers. And then I'm on the other end of the field working scale, and I've got to where I run the huddle in scale, and I stand behind the huddle, and I can coach – so I coach the offense in scale. And I can coach the guys running the routes and I can coach the defensive backs because I can see them all. And then our outside linebacker coach and our DB coach, they're standing, they're standing over there with me coaching their guys on every play. And we have a routine we go through in scale. Like they know every single day the first play in scale is going to be hitch. We run a lot of cover three. So they're going to see hitch. They're going to see curl flat. They're going to see four verticals every single day, and they're going to see flood. And they can basically predict the order. And then, so there's about, there's about 16 plays that we do every single day in scale in the same order every single day. And we're working our, you know, we're working our weaknesses, basically, and getting really good at the things that we need to get good at to be good in cover three. And then what happens is it goes to opponent specific. So when it's opponent specific, like some things they do, we need to work on it may be anywhere from 24 to 34 plays, just depending on what they do. Like we played an option team this year. And once I got through with my 16 plays, scale turned into an option period, just because that's what they needed to see. So we'll work our fundamental things. And then it goes into team specific. And then from that, we go to a team period. And let me just add this in there. The way that, so you take that exact model and you put it out on Tuesday. If the position coach wants to tackle again on Tuesday, they can. That's their choice if they want to tackle an Indy. But after that, you're going to work eyes. The half-line period will now be a full inside period. Scale period is very similar. And, and, and one thing we add on Tuesday is I call it – we call it cat drill where we are. Uh, you probably just call it screen period. But it's basically a perimeter screen period. And we call it cat drill because all of our quick screens are named after cats like cougar, cheetah, cat, jaguar, all that type of stuff, lion. And so we go to cat drill and work perimeter fits and all that. We do that on Tuesday also. And then we go to a team period. And team period is somewhere around 32 plays, depending on the week, depending on what else we need to see. So, yeah, and it's all fundamental-based. So that's what Monday and Tuesday look like.
0: So, all right, I want to get into this. You go, you're a defensive guy you were, you know, defensive coordinator, you played defense in college, you know, grow up defense, defense, defense. And then I say grow up. I meant like grow up like in, t- in your 20s and then yeah. your early 30s. And then maybe, how old are you
1: now? I am I think I'm 35. I have to ask my wife. I think I'm 35. Yeah. Yeah. See, I, so <laughs> I, I didn't know if you were, I,
0: I didn't know if you were 28 or 35. So anyways, <laughs> and, uh, but so that being said, you go, and this year, as 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 the head coach, you decided you're going to call the offense. Yeah. And you had tremendous success. I mean, obviously, you won a state championship. Your offense did really, really well. Talk about why you wanted to coach the offense, and then talk about what offense you ran and how you had success.
1: Yeah, I... I- that, you know, it's just funny how God works things out and we stress about things and worry about things. And, and you know, God really does work things out. And, you know, and, and if we just trust him, you know, the Bible says is, is for always ultimate good. And I'm not saying his, you know, the good part was us winning uh, the games or whatever, but, you know, through his process, you learn a lot and you learn to trust him. And so, Anyway, when I was going to take over as head coach, our, our previous head coach, he ran the offense and he coached the quarterbacks. And so the and I was the defensive coordinator for him. So the the transition seemed like we would just hire someone to call the offense. And I knew, you know, who who I wanted us to be on offense. And I had two guys that I really wanted and that we were going to try to hire. And what I didn't want to do was just hire somebody I wasn't really comfortable with to run the offense because I think it's so important. You know, obviously it's important when you have the ball. And I think your offensive identity really shapes who you are as a team. And I've just seen time and time again, I think who you are on offense will shape the way your defense plays and the way your team carries itself. Like if you if you're a if you're a guy that's constantly promoting your offensive line, then I think your team's gonna be a little bit tougher. You know, I just think that's that's the way football works. And so I knew who we wanted to be and I didn't want to give it to anyone. I had two guys I was looking at and you know, in in God's plan and in you know providence, it, it just didn't work out with either one of those guys. And simultaneously, I had a guy on staff who you know coached with you and I at Elka, and he'd been here for a few years, and I trust him. And he had he had been around what we wanted to do on defense, and and I knew I could trust him to do what I wanted us to do on defense. And so I just said, you know, you know, why not? If 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 having the ball is so important, and what you are doing offense is so important, then why don't I just coach it? And so I flipped over to the offensive side, and I'd never called plays before. You know, my first time ever calling plays was in our scrimmage this past year. And, and so I learned a lot throughout the year. It's really hard to call plays. It's really hard to make decisions when the clock's running. But anyway, so he called the defense, and I called the offense. Obviously, we had really good players. We had a really good quarterback, receivers, tight end. Our offensive line was good. But I knew what we wanted to do was this. We were, going to be, we were going to be physical on the front. We were going to run the ball. And I wanted to have a good play-action game and throw a quick game as needed, you know, when we needed to. And we had because we had a really talented quarterback, we had probably four or five drop-back passing, like sit in the pocket and throw the ball, concepts that we liked and that we would build off of. But I'll be honest with you, it wasn't a staple of what we were doing on Friday night. You know, what we were doing on Friday night was we were running the ball trying to be physical, trying to pose our will with our offensive line. Our, our running back this year was small. You know, he didn't play any his junior year, just didn't get any playing time. And this year, he was a 1,000-yard-plus rusher. And then we tried to throw a lot of play action off of it. And our quarterback was a runner also, so that helped. So it's it's very similar. People, you know, I learned a lot from you, and so it's very similar to what I learned from you. It's a lot of power and counter, jet sweep. We run a lot of power read and quarterback run you know quarterback run game yeah so that's who we are so it was, it was physical run game good play action game throw a quick game as we need it
0: so like what are the things like you're going through the season obviously you know you're you're learning right you're learning how to call plays you know and I always say this like you can't call plays until you call plays like it, it, there's a strategy, there's an art, like people, you can have a script, you can have a playlist, doesn't matter. You got to go in the game and you got to react, you got to adjust. What, what are some key takeaways that that you, you have at the end of the season, your first year as an offensive coordinator, where you learn things you didn't know and you see areas in which you need to improve?
1: Yeah, one thing I learned pretty quickly is that managing the clock is a really hard thing to do and that's something you only learn by experience and i have a, i've had a i had a really experienced older coach on staff who helped me with that a lot but you know i can you know learning is hard and and the process of learning is really difficult i have a first grade daughter she's in the she's reading and she's learning how to read better and it's really hard for her well learning as an adult's no different and sometimes you make mistakes you mess it up i had a uh, just a terrible delay of game call in a game this year that was a huge point in the game. And I called a play, then I wanted to switch it, and we ended up getting a delay of game. And it goes from third and one to third and six. And that's just a huge play. And, I, you know, that was an embarrassing moment for me, but it was a learning moment for me, you know? And so managing the clock is really hard. Here's what. I, here's another thing I've learned. You have to be good enough at, your core stuff to call it whenever you want to you know there's a lot of time where you don't like you don't have the perfect play to just pull out of your back pocket and so you got to be good enough at your base stuff to get you through the game and kind of have those filler plays until I get to a place where I want to take a shot and play action or we had a good tight end this year so I want to get the the ball to the tight end the flat well, I got to get the ball in the right place on the field. I got to get the right down and distance. I got to like, you know, you know, the clock situation and the score and all that. And so it takes a lot to get to those places where you can make that call that you really want to make. So I, I use the word filler. Like you have to have filler plays, which is your base. So our base stuff is jet, power counter, quarterback run game, power read. You got to be good enough at those to get you to the place that you want to be to call a shot play. Or to get the ball to a special player. And that's hard. So, I'm, what I figured out at practice is you can't ever just assume, well, we know how to run power. We can quit practice. You can't ever assume that. You know, those are daily things that you work all day, every day. And it kind of became a joke at practice, you know, how many times we run power. But I wanted to run it out of every formation versus every look we might get versus every situation with the ball on each hash until I was confident that we could go into the game and call it anytime we needed to. So those are two places that, that I learned pretty quickly that we had to, you know, that just taught me a lot.
0: So <clears throat> talk about this, you know, you're losing, you know, you talked about your quarterback, your quarterback's going to Syracuse, a great player, right? You know, yeah. I've been noticing him since he was a sophomore. So here you are, you know, he had this great year, you know, you're running power read, anything you do, he can do. And now he's gone. So what, what's your thought process? Here we are in January, obviously coaches from January to all the way to May spring practice. You're kind of thinking, this is what I plan on doing. So what's your thought process there with your team?
1: Yeah. Well, first thing is we're, you know, we're working in the weight room and we do that year round probably like most guys listening to, but I'm trying to get the guys we have c- coming back bigger, faster, stronger, you know, and, we have a couple candidates that can play quarterback next year, and the bottom line is we've got to get our offensive linemen, you know, bigger and stronger, and and got to get those guys really good and technical and tough. and And if that piece is there, then other play other stuff will fall into place. You know, I'm like you; I want a guy at quarterback that can that can run and 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 throw the things that we need him to throw. But I want a runner there, and we've got a good candidate coming up that I really like. He's a tough kid. He started on defense this year. And so, you know, you kind of – you had to shape what you do around the players that you have. Kind of like I was saying, we had drop back some drop-back passes. I don't know if we'll have as many this year. I don't know if we'll throw the ball as much. But we may be better in the run game. You know, so all that just depends on your players. But I'm not going to change who we are, you know, philosophically, at our core, what we're trying to do. I wouldn't change any of that because I believe in it. I believe it works, you know – Regardless of your personnel, you just have to tweak it here and there to make it work.
0: One thing you were talking about, you know, you're talking about, you know, quarterbacks and you like a quarterback to be. Bottom line is what you said is you like your quarterback to be a football player. Uh, I think a big problem for high school coaches across the state, across the world is you know, these, these camps that all these kids, so you're growing up these, I see these kids, these dads they are putting their kids in these quarterback camps and they're in the fourth grade. I'm not camps. I mean, I'm the the quarterback coach. They have quarterback coaches in the fourth grade. And you know, they're, they're, they're running around here. They're going, you know, you see seventh and eighth graders, they're flying all over the place to go to these quarterback trainers. And then at the end of the day, what I try to tell my parents is, Listen, I, I can teach a golden retriever how to throw football, right? I can teach my dog Titus how to throw football. I need a football player who's physical. He he's relentless. He is a competitor and he's confident. And that's who we want to put at quarterback. Because I think what what people fail to understand is first of all, that quarterback position is so critical. It's why they're making so much money in the NFL. It's why they're even making that much money in college football now. But like, you, you, you will lose five games or win those five games based upon your quarterback and his ability to lead. Talk about that a little bit, what you see. Um, I think it's a good conversation for like any parents out there. Like I tell my son, my son wants to play quarterback. I'm like, yeah, you can play quarterback, but you also have to be able to play center. Right. Because at the at the end of the day, there's one quarterback, and if all you do is grow up thinking I'm a quarterback, I'm a quarter quarterback, you're going to get to your senior year of high school and you're not going to find a spot on the field because you never became a football player.
1: Right? Yeah, I, I think the word you use there that I really like is competitor. You want a guy at quarterback that's a competitor, and what that means is when you run quarterback power with him, you know his legs keep churning. And he goes and gets those extra two or three yards when he's getting hit. You know and I just think in high school football, at all, at my level that I coach, I'm not speaking for the other coaches, but at the level that I coach, with my guys and the style of football we play, you you need a competitor there if you're going to be your best. And if you don't have a competitor there, you're not going to be your best. And you know, in terms of the quarterback trainers and quarterback coaches and all that, I don't have a problem with my kids going to those things, and and several of our kids do. And the quarterback that we we're just graduating, he's he's been at quarterback trainers and. I think there's some value there, and so I don't have a problem with it. And I, I support all that. But at the end of the day, when you come to our school and you come to our campus and you're wearing our our uniform, you know we're going to do what we do. And and if you're a competitor and you're a football player, then you adapt your skill set to what we do, and and you go do it for your team. And that and the team ultimately respects that. And you were talking about leading. The quarterback's got to be a leader, and if the quarterback's the quarterback is the fastest way to either build your team up or take your team down, right? And yep, he's got to be an extension of the coach. He's got to be like the coach. He's got to know what the coach is thinking. He's got to have the respect of his teammates, and all of that, like you were saying, is so critical in leading to your team success. And and so that's why. You know, when our quarterback was a ninth grader, he was a really good athlete. Like you said, he's going to Syracuse. He was a really good athlete. He wasn't going to start at quarterback in the ninth grade. And I knew how critical it was for him to, to have experience, to be, to be involved with the team. So instead of standing on the sideline, you know, I made him play corner. And he started at corner force. And he learned a lot. And he grew a lot. And he, it, it made him more physical. It made him appreciate the defensive of guys. And I think it was good for him. And I think he'll say that today. And I still give him a hard time about getting beat deep in a playoff game, but uh, in the ninth grade. But uh, you know, I think think that was great for him. And maybe the guy that plays next year, if it works out that way, he played outside linebacker for us this year, and he's physical and he he just wants to play. He'll regret playing. Qu- he doesn't want to play quarterback because he he wants me to still play him on defense too. And I'm like, dude, you can't play defense and quarterback only in critical situations. But you know. I think back on some of the quarterbacks we had when I was coaching with you, and those guys could have, the the, the very best ones could have flipped over and been some of our de- best defensive players also. And I think that's what you mean when you talk about being tough and a competitor. So, yeah, those are the kids we're looking for. And and maybe other programs are different when they're going to throw the ball a lot and sit in the pocket, and maybe they want a guy that's you know a little different. But for us, I want a guy that can go play linebacker and start, you know, on our team at linebacker as well.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I think, you know, I'm just, you know, I'm, you know, just talking, you know, I'm thinking program building. And so obviously there are there is great value in in quarterback coaches and and anybody that plays quarterback for me at the high school level, we would definitely want them to have a quarterback coach, a personal quarterback coach that's separate from us that they're going to and doing and working with year round. But I'm talking about like when you start your youth football at your school and you're trying to build a culture and you're trying to build toughness and just that football mentality, right? Like what I've done is nobody is just a quarterback. That, that's not happening, right? Like everybody's got to play defense. Like you need another offensive position because I don't want a kid who just plays quarterback And what I'm doing is, is I'm trying to create a situation where all these kids, when they become juniors and seniors, can play high school football. Like, I don't want a kid to get all the way to his junior or senior year and not be able to start because all he ever did was play quarterback and there's a guy better than him. And so, you know, it's really kind of just a, just a thought. Like, I try to get our parents to think about, like, do not raise your kid up just to be a quarterback because... He might not be one. And, you know, but he very well may be, but he very well, you know, I've you know, you know, every year we start off with what, four kids trying to play quarterback and one becomes the quarterback and then three guys are sitting the bench. And I just hate to see that. So well, as we wrap it up, you know, we got we got time and definitely want to get into this. And so because really why I started the demand excellence podcast is I couldn't ever find, still can't really, a podcast out there that talks about football and living your life for Jesus Christ and this you know and it's hard like being a football coach is hard and then being a Christian is hard and then I find like being a Christian football coach is so hard because it is so easy for winning to be our God and performance to be our God and I mean this is a battle every day because I've been talking about this for a long time and then of course. We have all the other sins of anger and wrath and lust and whatever else. You know, when, when Paul writes out all the sins in the Bible, he does it, I think, somewhere. And I'm like, guilty, 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 guilty. So, But man, just the struggle of pride and, and, and just winning, becoming our God. So, you know, and, and I'm really amazed at you. You know, I think you're like becoming a deacon at your church. Your, your growth in Christ since I've met you, um, has, thank you. So your growth in Christ since I met you has probably met and exceeded me. And so it's just cool to see that. And, but anyways, talk about that a little bit, just the struggle of man living a life for Jesus Christ as being a head football coach and being a husband and being a dad. Talk about that.
1: Yeah, no, I appreciate that. And and a lot of my, my growth, you know, as a believer, my growth in Christ had to do with coming to Elka to work with you guys. Just the men that were there and, you know, you and the head of school and and all, all the folks that were there just had so much to do with me growing and it just goes to show how important it is to be around people that are older and wiser than you and, and know a little little more than you do how important that is. But yeah, that that's a struggle and that's a struggle for me this year. And it's hard to even put your finger on like what the problem is because I don't I don't you know I don't feel pressure from the outside to win but I know I want to do my best and if I don't do my best I'm disappointed in myself and then you know you have a lot of people depending on you and man I really struggled with some things this year and I I don't mind making this public you know I went to the doctor about some issues I was having and just really struggled with it and Bob. and I think a lot of coaches struggle with those things and you know, it's easier for football to be consuming because of the, it is a consuming job because the job never ends. I had a college coach in my office the other day and we were talking about this and he was talking about how his job never ends. You know, there's always a recruit that has to be called. There's always film that has to be studied. There's, there's all, so even when you have your days off, they're not really days off. And so I really struggled with some things this year. And at the end of the year, man, I, my wife told me, you know, for five weeks, you've been walking around like a zombie, like you're not even a real human. And, you know, you're exhausted, and you're stressed, and issues happen, you get stressed about issues, and then you got to coach the game, you know, (laughs) it's just, it's just too much. And so I, I don't have all the answers, but I'll say some things that I've done that have helped me, I think, and maybe some places where I failed. One thing that really helps me is I try to take a real Sabbath day on Saturday. And uh, what that means for me is if I need to do some work, like if I need to come to the school and do laundry, I do it before noon. But at noon on Saturday, I quit working on football. And I go home and we like to just stay home on Saturday. We don't go anywhere. And we make football food. My wife makes a cheese dip and I'll grill something. And we watch college football all day. We stay home. And Man, just, just being at home and not opening up huddle and not doing that was was really good for me. It just gave me a chance to, man, sit in the chair and unwind and have my kids crawl all over me to just, you know, be a dad. So I try to make Sabbath a real Saturday a real Sabbath day where I'm not working, you know, and I'm I'm at home resting. And there's there were points in the season where I didn't do that. And I could tell that those weeks following, man, I just it, it wasn't right in my chest and I was, I was you know, I was burnt out, basically. And then some things that I think are really good, you know, I learned from you, you know, get up every morning and I say I learned it from you, but really I saw it in practice with you, I'd learned it elsewhere, but I saw someone actually do it with commitment with you is, you know, you get up every morning, you spend time reading the Bible and, and in prayer. And I failed at that a lot this year. You know, you're so exhausted and the alarm clock goes off. And, and you don't want to do it. And so I was, you know, at best sporadic at that this year. And, and then, you know, at the end of the season, you pick back up and you start being disciplined again. And what I learned is, you know, just like we talked about fundamentals in football, those are the fundamental things as a believer. And, and those things can't get in the way, uh, you know, all the other things can't get in the way of you doing those fundamental things. And, and when you start putting those things as secondary, you know it takes a toll on you mentally physically spiritually emotionally and and then you're not at your best and then when you're not at your best you're 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 paying for it on the back end and so those those are two things that that I really think are important but but it's hard man and I need to learn to delegate a little bit more and trust people to do things more like I'm really I'm like I'm probably like you I'm involved in our youth programs I'm at the middle school games coaching every day I'm watching film with the kids and then sometimes it feels like the things that are the most important things have to become secondary things because I'm doing so much. And if we would just take our football philosophy, and we talk about this all the time, take your football philosophy about being simple and doing the fundamental things right, if we would actually put that into practice in our personal lives, I think we wouldn't have so many other issues. So that's not
0: No, that's true. And a few thoughts that I had while you were talking, you know. You talk about, so you and I used to talk about this when we were at, at, at Elka together, but Psalm 127 verses one and two, it says, unless the Lord builds a house, those who build it labor in vain, unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. But then it says this, it is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil for he gives to his beloved sleep. And it's just speaking to the sovereignty of God, the providence of God, the omnipotence of God. like. God's in control. I don't care how much you work, I don't care how much you do. I don't you know, God and we, we what Proverbs 21:31, right? Unless the horse is made ready for the day of battle, the vic- uh, but the victory belongs to the Lord. Like the Lord is in control. Like it doesn't matter how like all the extra stuff, dude, if you fumble, you're losing. And you know, so I say that because like God gives us these commands, right? He he gives us the command to to, to, to rest and to have a Sabbath, but but it's for our benefit, right? It's for our good, right? I was just talking to, you know, teenagers come in here and they always ask just irrational questions. And so they're talking about divorce and they're like, well, I didn't know it was that if you got divorced, that God had rules on divorce. I said, yeah, you know, I was like, divorce in God's eyes is wrong and he hates it unless, you know, I th- Well, there's like two reasons why, you know, adultery being one of them. And they're like, of course, you're talking to kids whose parents have been divorced. And I was like, listen, I was like, that isn't God saying you're going to hell if you get divorced. What he's saying is, this is what's best for you. And is there forgiveness if you screw up? Yes. So my point is, is God tells us to rest. He's like, Brett, would you, would you chill out? Like when you're worried about the Stratford game on Thursday (laughs) night, 10 o'clock on your couch, and you're thinking about it. And he's like, Brett, you're an idiot. And I mean, I hear him call me an idiot a lot. Maybe he doesn't call you one. (laughs) (laughs) But like, and it's like, we know this verse. So this is the struggle. Like we know, like, you know, and it's it's what you've done, right? At 12 o'clock. I'm shutting it down on Saturday and I'm just going to enjoy my family for 24 hours. Now there might be some coach out there who says, no, you can't do that, Brett. You won't win if you don't, or Satan's in your ear. You won't win if you don't study this film on Saturday. But like, I don't know. I mean, you, you get what I'm saying? Like this that's the struggle.
1: No, absolutely. And, and it, it is a mental and a spiritual struggle. And, but then there's a, there's a part of it that that's physical also where, You know, when you get to week ten in the regular season, then you get into the playoffs. You know, because of all the things you've done all the way back to May, your your body just really cannot handle anymore. And so, I, I mean, this is the way it was with me. I got to the point to where I was physically beat down, exhausted, and I had I was in this pattern of doing things that was unhealthy, working and you know, working too much and worrying about this and talking to this person. And anytime this person calls, I have to answer the phone. And I'm doing all these things. And so you develop these unhealthy habits. And at the end of the at the end of the season, you're just you're a mess. You're unhealthy. And and like like I said, it goes back to you got to take care of the the priorities and the fundamental things. And we say those things, but they're really hard to put into practice and execute. And so what I want to do a better job at is just managing that a little better. So you know, being disciplined with the Sabbath, being disciplined on the weekend, not staying up here meeting forever. You know, when we, when we watch our film, we're going to watch the film, but we're not going to go over overboard with it with the kids. And then just control the things you can control and manage it and, and do my best with it. But it's hard, you know, and I don't have it figured out, but I, I wish somebody did and they'd tell me.
0: Huh. I think it's the you know the Bible says like we're in the in between right we're in the already but not yet right so Christ has come Christ has delivered us from sin all right spiritually he delivered us from sin right we have eternal life there's a sh- but but we have the flesh Right. And, and the flesh isn't just, I mean, I think people think like the flesh is just lust. It's not like our brains are diseased, right? Like it's, it's the anxiety, it's the, you know, all these things. And, you know, what we have to do and is just learn how to lay it down, you know, like, you know, lay it down and, and, and put it before the feet of the Lord. Because at the end of the day, like, and, and this is, good to have to talk about this but like so i know i'm 44 years old and 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 every christian coach could 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 talk to this but like man like i mean the, just the stress that you're under and the the how isolated you can feel i mean that can reap havoc on your marriage you could reap havoc on your family and you know it's just constant warfare so you know the answer is brett I know the answer but I but I don't necessarily do it but like the the answer like Paul's like who will deliver me who will deliver me from this body of death
1: and the answer is Jesus Christ
0: like uh-huh. to live in Christ
1: yeah but one, one of the things that that takes a toll on me is like as a I think any football most football coaches say this but certainly as a as a Christian football coach working in a Christian school and you know part of part of what we do is you're trying to build relationships with people and impact people for Christ. And so that I really think that's first and foremost to a lot of coaches. And then when those relationships, when you have issues and you have expectations and then you have things that come up that impact those relationships, that's where the worry is for me. Not not, I'm not worried about what people think or what people say. I don't care about all that. What I worry about is, you know, dealing with kids communicate with their parents talking to their families and doing it all from the from the world view and perspective that i'm called to do it from and it just becomes a lot you know and and it, it's a lot when when like i had mom ma- a mom sitting on my couch crying this year because her son's going through something really tough i had a kid whose dad died this year i had a, had a kid who was injured a lot this year and was felt like he was failing on expectations when you have those things happen week to week to week to week on top of what you're doing, and and they take up a lot of your time because that's what you're called to do, man, it's just like those those, those issues run very deep, and they're hard to deal with, and they're hard to work through, and it's hard to lead through that. And man, I mean, God's still in control, yet we're called to work at it. And, and that can be really hard and cause a lot of those stressors also. So that's that was tough on me this year as a first year head coach managing all that.
0: Yeah, I think you could be a thirtieth year head coach and that's going to be stressful on you. <laughs> so, yeah. no, man, it's crazy. You know, like I tell people all the time, man, as a head football coach, if you care about winning and you care about being excellent and you care about the kids and you care about the parents, like you're you're one step away from being a crack at it <laughs> yeah. or an alcoholic, because like. I mean, you're just looking for that rest. You're looking for that peace. Obviously, we know the answer, right? It's it's to get in the word of God. It's it's to live in Christ and, you know, take take our problems and issues to Him. And that, And that's what this podcast is all about. It's like being real, right? We have problems. We have issues. We can't turn to drugs. We can't turn to alcohol. We can't turn to whatever it is your struggle may be. We have to you know, deny ourselves, pick up our cross, follow Christ, rest in him. And that's the goal, right? To, to rest in Christ, right? The the Bible verse, my yoke is easy and my burden is
1: light. And sometimes I'm like, I do not feel it. Right. Yeah. And, and I, so I think the cool thing too, is, you know, we're not going to find ultimate rest here. And when you're right. in the middle of that and even thinking back on it now, because now I'm sort of in a restful period. It's off season. I'm coaching some sports in the off season, but it's not nearly the the demand that football is. But man, it just makes looking forward to heaven sweeter, you know. And and that's what God promises, you know. And and one day we'll be there. And He tells it, you're not going to be here yet. Like the world is filled with these things, with tribulation, and and it's going to be hard. And what that what that does to me, and I think that's what it should do to us is it should point us forward to a time where nothing's bad and it points us forward to a time where everything's good and and that should make us want to pursue him more and and look forward to that more and see him as perfect and and awesome and beautiful more because we're fallen we don't always do that we feel like we need to fix things more but i've tried to let that be what it does me does to me is is point me forward to a time when not just on a saturday when i'm sitting in the chair, or not just the off season or not just after you won a big game that it would point me forward to an eternal time when 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 all is good and that'll be fun. Absolutely. So, very good stuff, Brett. Like,
0: man, hope everybody's encouraged. We talked a little. We we're real a little bit. Hey, we all struggle, but at the end of the day, you know, there's there's joy and there and there's such goodness in coaching the game of football and, and building up kids and boys and and doing it for Christ. And so really appreciate you coming on and talking as we depart give us like one thing like one thing that's you know on your i'm gonna be better at this in twenty twenty four
1: yeah well i'll give you a i'll give you a football one specifically i'm gonna be better in in twenty four at at self scouting ourselves at looking at what we do on offense and kind of finding some of our tendencies and so when people look at us, you know, I kind of know what they're looking at. But I'll give you one that's, that's a little bit different. You know, maybe on the on the leadership side as well. I'm going to be better in 2024 at connecting with every single player on our team. You know, we get caught up sometimes in coaches our coaching our position group and or coaching just the very best players. I really want every single player in our program to know me and I want to know them and I want them all to feel connected to the team and to the coaching staff. So that, those are my two things. Very good. All right. So I'm going to pray for us and we'll be done. Really appreciate you.
0: Hope you nothing but the best in 2024. Lord, we're coming for you today. I just want to praise and thank you for loving us. Praise and thank you for Brett, just what you've done in his life, Lord, how I've seen him grow in Christ. It's motivating to me for me to just keep on keeping on even when I don't want to and I struggle. But Lord, may we just continue to to keep getting back up. Lord, you you say in your your word that you're faithful to the faithless. Sometimes we're faithless, but to your people, you're faithful. You keep us, uh, you protect us, and you lead us, and you guide us. And so just continue to do that for Brett, be with him and his family and what he's doing there at FPD. May the gospel, may Jesus Christ continue to be proclaimed. And and may people receive him. Lord, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Brett, appreciate you, man. Thanks, man. See you.